0: let's go this, this is the hub podcast with louise clark
1: i kind of started talking out about this initially on instagram because so many people had said it to me that they'd never heard of sepsis before you know obviously they knew me and it was, that's what had you know knocked me and literally what what the reason i had to go through so many operations and comas and to death's door and back again and there again and back again and they had never even heard of it, they were like how is this, how is something so, so serious something we're not aware of or we're not conscious of or that we're not looking out for when we're sick or, you know, how, how is it something that had not gotten more awareness, so that's what kind of drove me to start talking about it or start posting about it, just Because I always just kind of thought that if one person at least was a little bit aware and it it caught them, because I always say to myself that if I had maybe gone to the hospital two days prior, you know, and not left it and left it thinking it was just flu or something else, that maybe I wouldn't have had to have gone through everything I went through, but if it stops or helps someone else from having to go through that, then it's been worth it.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you don't mind me asking, I suppose, um, kind of, I suppose, what what led you to going into the hospital in the first place? Um, obviously, I suppose I've I've read you, your your backstory, but just in case anybody listening tonight, um, and and they're wondering, you know, I suppose wh- why we're having a chat to you tonight.
1: Yeah. So I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. 12 years ago and that's basically it's my immune system tacking the muscles surrounding all of my joints so like everyone always thinks just your knees because obviously that's the one that suffers the most Mm -hmm. but it's everything it's the knuckles in my hand my elbows shoulders hips everything toes every single joint and the medication that they give you to help you with that Basically removes your immune system because it's it's trying to disarm it to stop mm-hmm. it causing your own harm. But in that way, then they have to disarm it completely, which means I'm more prone to infections, colds, etc. And I had got a little corner of my leg, and it was in a really embarrassing place. It was just under my bum, kind of more kind of in the inside of my mm-hmm. leg. And so, it had gotten infected. I'd gone to the doctor. She thought it was just cellulitis, and she gave me antibiotics. And I was still getting worse. And my mom—I happened to be at my mom's house at the time. And my mom was like, "Okay, I think you need to go to the hospital." And I was—I just thought, "No, I just need time for the antibiotics to kick in. I've like, got not going to the hospital. This is where it is." Is like so embarrassing because one I'd have to go to A&E and I'd more than likely have to sit on it for like hours and Mm -hmm. hours and hours to wait to be seen so that would be painful enough in itself but then the embarrassing aspect where I thought that I was like it's probably some young doctor who's going to come out and poke at it go back someone else going to come out poke at it come back and it's like it's going to be really embarrassing I was like i just wait for the antibiotics to hit. But days went past and I wasn't eating. I wasn't really drinking. And I had gotten so weak to the point where my mom just put her foot down. And she said, you're going. But I had, they had to ring an ambulance at that stage because I was so bad. And as soon as I got to the a they... It seemed, it seemed like they knew fairly instantaneously mm-hmm. uh, when I got there because by the time I got there, I had actually developed like lumps under my skin, all up in the inside of my leg, on my stomach or on my abdomen area. And I think the minute they saw it, they must have known straight away because they said to me if I had waited another day, I wouldn't have lasted, oh that the, the sepsis would have taken control over so much of my body that they wouldn't have been able to to pull me back basically after both comas when I came around I was so weak I I wasn't able to hold a phone or I wasn't able to push my glasses up on my face or like move my hair or anything I could I couldn't like I had to work myself up to feeding myself again Mm -hmm. so that's why the second coma was it was so traumatic to me because it was like I've just done this. I've I've just gone through all of this. I literally just taught myself to eat again and and do all that again. Like obviously I hadn't I hadn't learned to walk in the meantime. I still had this massive hole, but mm-hmm. it was it was you know the 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 top body half like being able to move my fingers or you know move my arms or hands again. I just about managed that, and then suddenly it was all taken away again. So it was that was quite hard. So those first few months were were very difficult because I kind of I couldn't I couldn't really speak to anybody on the phone or text or anything like that because I couldn't really use my my phone. So mm-hmm. I had to rely an awful lot on. My mom and my aunt—they were basically there for like everything. They were there constantly. And when I went up to Galway, it was just my poor mom. And like she, she literally—the Galway hospital had like a um, family room mm-hmm. that had couches in it. Yeah. And the cou- the couches were one of those—you know, those ones where you like
0: the really the small ones with the, the oh yeah, yeah, yeah—and and they just kind flick of goes out. out, yeah.
1: It's yeah like the chair kind of nearly kind of goes into like half a kind of a bed yeah yeah that's what that's what my mother basically slept on for a few weeks um so for two weeks solid and and then she was so exhausted at that point I was telling her to go home but I still needed an awful lot of help and obviously as I said I couldn't I couldn't talk to anyone because I couldn't use the phone or anything so I still kind of needed somebody with me and my best friend drove up to Galway and spent the whole weekend with me and she spoon fed me yogurt and she helped me get changed and you know like it's it's amazing you really you really know who your friends are you know there are some people that I thought would have been very close to that Mm -hmm. I haven't seen at all for the last two years and then there's other people that I thought would have maybe you know been friends but not overly close and yet they're the ones that have nearly gotten me through this you know they're, they're the ones that have you know been in contact with me all of the time keeping me positive because it's it was really after that second coma when I managed to be able to hold my phone again then i never let it go again after that i can (laughs) imagine i kept it so because that was my my lifeline to to the outside and to someplace that took my brain away from where i was so it was it was then after that then definitely social media was definitely a massive thing for me just to keep keep my mind occupied and when I was recuperating then for, let's say, the, the next year after that in Limerick Regional, the the wards I was in, the staff were absolutely amazing and they used to push me outside every day. So. A lot of the
0: times we find social media and people say oh you should delete those apps they're negative or they breed negativity or that kind of thing but with your story um, I think there's nothing but positivity and the way that people have reacted and people have helped and people have shown that they, they want to do a little bit of good in the world.
1: Yeah it's it's been amazing because myself and, and Sinead probably spoke about this I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago or I'm not sure exactly. And she had wanted to do the GoFundMe page. And I was trying to talk her out of it because I just thought that, you know, everyone is having a hard time at the moment. Like, we're going through a pandemic and everyone is, you know, a lot of people have lost 100% of their business. And a lot of people are going through tough times. And I was like, "This, this isn't the time. You know, this is, I don't. I don't want to feel like we were pressuring people or, you know, anything like that. And and I I just thought, I didn't even, to be honest with you, I didn't even think we'd even make it to 100. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, like, all I ever expected anyone to maybe donate was maybe a euro or five euro here here or there, you know, and I was like, we, we won't even get there. And then I had put up an Instagram post on um, so it would be last Friday week and it was just I had got I had gotten so down and I had I've always tried to keep as positive mm-hmm. as I can. Um obviously I've had like down days here and there but my down days were rolling into the next down day and down day and I wasn't able to pull myself out of it because I didn't see an end in sight because the initial plan to go to the nursing home we're going to be indefinitely because mm-hmm. we didn't know if we were going to be able to afford to build this extension onto the back of the house we have applied for a grant to Limerick County Council and they're looking through it at the moment but there's only a certain amount that can be allocated you know to a claim like that and we just didn't know if we were going to be able to make up the rest of the money or you know the extras that are needed paid etc you know things things like that and we were we just didn't know and but it was all going to depend on you know this this allocation this this grant allocation so I put up my post that Friday night and I got a bit upset obviously when I was when I was speaking of and of course that it seems to strike a chord with other people. And, mm-hmm. and suddenly there was a flurry of messages. And so many people that I knew and didn't know went completely out of their way to make sure politicians did know about my case and what was going on and that people had heard about it. And, and then the more that it was spoken about and talked about on Instagram, people obviously knew the connection between myself and Sinead and then I think a lot of people started reaching out to Sinead and saying about the GoFundMe page and she was like yes I'm I'm working on it I'm, I'm working on Laura to try and get her to agree to us and and then again finally I, I I agreed to Sinead that I said look we'll just give it a go obviously again I've nothing to lose at this point I've I've already lost Two years. I, I'm. I'm not willing to give up another year. So she set it up on last Monday evening. So we we reached the goal by Sunday evening, which was like absolutely phenomenal. And I my internet isn't too great out here because I'm in a hospital at the moment. Mm-hmm. And. They've all been lovely to me here, but unfortunately there's no Wi Fi. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I have to I have to rely on my data. So I hadn't actually seen it or I hadn't checked it yet until my phone started literally blowing up with all messages to, to tell me that that we had reached it. And couldn't I I literally couldn't believe it. I was in shock I it for around two hours and then I cried for another four hours. <laughs> and the amount of messages that I got that's an amazing thing
0: definitely well like even listening to your story um, you know and I don't think there's too many years between us but I think you know it's the type of story that brings you back down to earth that you know I mean everybody goes through things in life but the amount of bravery that you have shown um, you know, like it kinda takes all the I know on Instagram and social media, you know, a lot of people look at, oh, where's this person been? Why aren't I there? Why don't I have this bag or these shoes or this handbag or oh they're in Dubai or they're here? And I think like your story on Instagram is is a look at, you know, real life and, and some of the struggles that people do go through and I think that really touches a lot of people's hearts that you know in any way possible that they could even even help to hear that you know that you can go home and that you know you you can do the same as we all do and you know curl up on the couch and you know watch one watch a movie on one one hand and then you know scroll through Instagram on the other <laughs> and I think you know that's that's all that people really would love for for you to to be able to do Um, I was having a chat to Sinead and she said that you know you're already in the motions of of um you know trying to get the plans together and trying to organize everything. So that must be really exciting for you as well. Um Laura, if anybody wants to find you on social media or indeed if they want to follow your journey, and even if um I know Sinead mentioned that um you're going to leave the GoFundMe open for another little bit. Um and just because I know there's probably people going, wait, will you wait until Friday till I get paid? or that <laughs> kind of thing. Um if anybody wants to follow your journey, and of course um um, you know, even reach out and and, and all that kind of thing. And um, where is the best place to go to find you?
1: Instagram is probably the the easiest, and it's laura Hayes, 71 is my username. Brilliant, Laura! Thank you so so so
0: much for coming on to the show, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and hearing your story. And listen, I'd love to catch up with you again soon.
1: Thank you so much.
0: The Hub Podcast. Subscribe now at iradio.ie.